Welcome to the weekly Mission Red Bank podcast, helping the body of Christ build itself up together in love. invite you to think of something stunning. Take a moment. Try to think of something truly worthy of your attention. Something that tugs on your heart, draws your heart out in search of some way to respond. The beauty of the sun rising or setting in a particular place. The grandeur and majesty of snow-capped mountains, young mountains that are still really tall and rocky and have peaks above the timberline. Maybe the gentle quiet of a baby sleeping so peacefully. Things like these can bring us to a sacred moment. A moment of freeing pleasure. A self-forgetting kind of pleasure. And when such a moment happens, we often find ourselves saying something like, look at that. Or maybe we just gasp. Or maybe just stand or sit and watch in hushed silence. In these moments, when the experience of something or someone is so compelling, so arresting, our joy, while present, is reaching for something. And it can fall incomplete until we actually find a way to respond. Some way to revere. Some way to praise. I experienced this with Caleb once when he was about nine years old. We were in Nashville for a wedding, and the church, though relatively new, seven, eight, ten years old, had been built in such a way so as to look like an older church from Europe. Marble pillars, marble floor, enough trim everywhere throughout the church, you could probably build a tiny home with it. It was exquisite. It really was. And we walked into the room from a corner door at the back. Caleb was right here, and I opened the door, and as we stepped through, this is what I heard. <gasps> and I turned and looked at him, and he was just looking wide-eyed. He was so struck by what he saw. He gasped before he knew what was going on. 
I think you would call that a moment of spontaneous praise. It filled his heart to overflowing in a moment. Throughout Holy Scripture, praise is something God unapologetically demands. A response to which he explicitly calls us. Today and over the next couple of weeks, Micah, Matthew, and myself, we want to share thoughts with you about the worship and praise of God. I won't be long, but I will need help. So let's pray and ask Holy Spirit to speak to us as we consider this together. Father, I pray that you will humble us now. I don't know all the places from from whence we come. But whenever we gather like this, the odds that we bring so much that could be contrary to you in the room, is the odds are high. That's what the enemy wants. We don't want that. He does. So we ask for your help right now. Move those things out of the way and help us have eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts made courageous to repent, receive, and follow. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the passage today is the one that Amanda read earlier. It's Psalm 150. Praise Yahweh. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. You know, today's reading from the Psalms, that reading, it might be considered the main theme of all of Scripture. All of life, really. To praise Yahweh is God's call to creation. And as I said a moment ago, he really is unapologetic and fervent in his demand for his praise. Why? Is God some megalomaniac? so narcissistically self-absorbed that he can't help but inflict his neediness on humanity? Some have certainly thought so. One of those was the great Christian apologist and author C.S. Lewis. Remembering his final days as an atheist and even his early days as a believer in God, Listen to his thoughts about God demanding praise. 
when I first began to draw near to belief in God and ever for some time after it had been given to me, I found a stumbling block in the demand so clamorously made by all religious people that we should praise God. Still more in the suggestions that God himself demanded it. We all despise the man who demands continued assurance of his own virtue, intelligence, and delightfulness. Thus a picture at once ludicrous and horrible, both of God and of his worshipers, threatened to appear in my mind. It was hideously like saying, what I most want is to be told that I am good and great. Gratitude to God, reverence to him, obedience to him, I thought I could understand. Not this perpetual eulogy. That's from his reflections on the Psalms after years of following the Lord. Lewis found the idea of God being God-centered offensive. He thought such a notion painted God as needy and self-absorbed like, and I quote, a vain woman looking for compliments. Offensive, huh? Here's the thing. There was something he hadn't thought through yet. Something he hadn't been able to see or receive. He caught up to it later, or it caught up to him. But not early on. And I point to this because I think it's likely likely that many of us might need to think through this as well. You know, in my own search for the truth as an adult, and then as I've walked with people over the past 20 plus years as a believer, I've learned some things about how we think about God. And my experience is that we almost always want to think that God is mainly concerned with us rather than himself. It's as if we want God to be a God who's us-centered, creation-centered, rather than him-centered. That his us-centeredness might somehow mean, actually mean, that he's loving. We want this so much. We often jump to the conclusion that that's just how God is. Oh man, people preach this. For century now, spiritual leaders pick and choose verses in the Bible to prove God's us-centeredness. And we agree because we're like, well, it's there. And we do that rather than allowing the entirety of God's word to actually speak to us and tell us how he actually is. Let him tell us. 
We're afraid of that. Why? And here's what I think. This was my own experience, so you know. I think deep, deep down, I believe I'm the only one who is actually going to look out for me. Deep, deep down in the roots. I think that's what I believe. And I struggle to fathom how a God who is so unapologetically given to the praise and glory of his own name, I struggle to fathom how that God could actually love me, take real care of me. I mean, any person devoted to their own glory is disgusting, right? Maybe even dangerous, probably even dangerous, right? Any person except God. Here's more from Lewis. It's a bit longer than I normally would bring. But I told my wife as I was studying for this week, I said, I I feel like a hack if I don't just say what he said, because honestly, I can't say it better. And the point of this is not me to be whatever. It's that we hear the truth and can receive it and respond. So I invite you to listen to this. The most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. That's what Lewis said. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise, unless shyness or maybe the fear of boring others is deliberately brought in to check it. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses. Readers, their favorite poet. Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their favorite game. Praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles. Even sometimes politicians or scholars. I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds praised most. While the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised least. Except where intolerably adverse circumstances interfere. Praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious 
Do you think, don't you think that magnificent? The psalmists, in telling everyone to praise God, are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. My whole more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurdly denying to us as regards the supremely valuable what we delight to do, what we indeed can't help doing about everything else we value. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. If it were possible for a created soul fully to appreciate That is, to love and delight in the worthiest object of all. And simultaneously, at every moment, to give this delight perfect expression, then that soul would be in supreme beatitude. The Scotch Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But we shall then know that these things are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. And commanding us to glorify Him, God is inviting us to enjoy Him. Commanding us to glorify Him, God is inviting us to truly enjoy Him. In demanding praise, God is calling us through obedience to give our wounded souls the chance to remember that for which we're made, that which will satisfy us fully. He knows we've forgotten, He knows. He knows how fragile and broken and needy we are. He knows. So, because he's a good father, he calls us to what is best for us. Namely, him. God's God-centeredness demands praise. The consummation fulfillment of our joy. It reveals His love for us, His unwavering commitment to give us what is best. At all costs, God gives us God. This week, I want to invite you to ponder this. God reveals his love to us 
in his demand for praise because he is calling us to praise him so that our joy might be complete and he might give us him. Have me, God says. Praise me because I'm good and I created you to receive me, to find fulfillment in me. Dwell on this. Then come back next Sunday and let's consider it together again, okay? Then the next Sunday after that, we'll do it again. I'm going to write a check here. If you do this, you will not be disappointed. No one's ever written a hot check on God's ability to come through. We may miss it, but He's faithful, He's good and sisters, may today, oh, I pray, may today be a new beginning. May it be remembered in time as the day when we dared to walk into the presence of God. We gasped at His beauty, and we were never the same again. been listening to the Mission Red Bank podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Mission Red Bank or have questions about what you've heard today, you'll find us on Facebook. Grace and peace to you, and may God's blessings surround you.